0: anything good. And the answer is sure. Sometimes most officers I worked with thought they were usually helping the helpless and protecting the safety of innocent people. During my tenure in law enforcement, he wrote, I protected women from domestic abusers, arrested cold-blooded murderers and child molesters and comforted families who lost children to car accidents and other tragedies. I helped connect... Struggling people in my community with local resources for food, shelter, and counseling. I de-escalated situations that could have turned violent and talked a lot of people down from making the biggest mistakes the of their lives. I worked with plenty of officers who are individually kind, bought food for homeless residents, or otherwise showed care for their community. The question is this: Did I need a gun and sweeping police powers to help the average person on the average night? The answer is no. When I was doing my best work as a cop, I was doing mediocre work as a therapist or social worker. My good deeds were listening to people failed by the system and trying to unite them with any crumbs of resources the structure is currently denying them. It's also important to note that well over 90% of the calls for service I handled were reactive, showing up well after a crime had taken place. We would arrive, take a statement, collect evidence if any, file the report, and on to the next caper. Most active crimes we stopped were someone harmlessly possessing or selling a small amount of drugs. Very, very rarely would we stop something dangerous in progress or stop something from happening entirely. The closest we could usually get was seeing someone running away from the scene of a crime. And uh, that goes back to my comments about you can find a wedding, ring, a, a wedding ring in a garbage dump. Sure, you search enough years, you'll find one.
1: And uh, consider this.
0: Right. my job as a police officer required me to be a marriage counselor, a mental health crisis professional, a conflict negotiator, a social worker.
2: You are a listening to KBOO, advocate, KBOO. A Portland,
0: safety expert, a sexual assault specialist, and every once in a while, a public safety officer authorized to use force. Well, it is top of the hour, isn't it, Sonya? Okay, KBOO Portland, and after only a thousand hours of training at a police academy. Does the person we send to catch a robber also need to be the person we send to interview a rape victim or document a tender bender? Should one profession be expected to do all that community care with very little training all at the same time? goes back to Edie's point.
3: To put this another way,
0: <clears throat> he writes, I made double the salary most social workers made to do a fraction of what they could do to mitigate the causes of crime and desperation. Like very few times when I'm state violence actually made our citizens safer. And even then, I, it's hard to say better funded social safety nets and dozens of other community care specialists wouldn't have presented the problem before it started. Armed, indoctrinated, and dare I say, traumatized cops do not make you safer. Community
1: mutual aid
0: networks who can unite other people with the resources they need to stay fed, clothed, and housed to make you safer.
1: I really want to hammer this home, he writes. Every cop in your
0: neighborhood is damaged by their training emboldened by their immunity and they have a gun and the ability to take your life with mere impunity this does not make you safer even if you're white you're listening to press watch on am portland i'm Teresa mitchell and uh this is actually the second hour of a special press watch uh the first hour covered for for linda olson osterlin who's feeling under the weather today and i hope she's going to be feeling better but uh, Press Watch is a decades-old counter-propaganda and left opinion program. I invite your calls today. Number to call is 503-231-8187. I've been going through an, an article, an essay, a memoir, a confession uh, by an anonymous policeman uh, who signs himself Officer A. Cab. And uh, he writes, how do you solve a problem like a bastard? He says, so what do we do about it? Even though I'm an expert on bastardism, Excuse me. I am not a public policy expert, <clears throat> nor an expert in organizing a post-police society. So before I give some suggestions, let me tell you what probably won't solve the problem of bastard cops. Increased bias training. A quarterly or even monthly training session is not capable of covering over years of trauma-based camaraderie in police forces. I can tell you from experience, we don't take it seriously. The proctors let us cheat on whatever tests there are, And we all made fun of it later over coffee. Tougher laws won't solve a problem. I hope you understand by now, cops do not follow the law and will not hold each other accountable to the law. Tougher laws are all the more reasons to circle the wagons and protect your brothers and sisters. More community policing programs will not solve the problem of bastard cops. Yes, there is a marginal effect when a few cops get to know a few members of the community, but look at the protests of 2020. Many of the cops pepper-spraying journalists were probably the nice school cop a month ago. Police officers do not protect and serve people, he writes. They protect and serve the status quo. They protect and serve polite society and private property. Using the incremental mechanisms of the status quo will never reform the police because the status quo relies on police violence to exist. Capitalism requires a permanent underclass to exploit for cheap labor, and it requires the cops to bring that underclass to heal. Instead of wasting time with minor tweaks, I recommend exploring the following ideas. And this is the uh, the confession of the cop signing himself as officer Cab. No more qualified immunity police officers should be personally liable for all decisions they make in the line of duty no more civil asset forfeiture do you know that every year citizens like you lose more cash and property to unaccountable civil asset forfeiture than to all burglaries combined and speaking for myself they actually charge your property with a crime it's the silliest damn thing and yeah it's just theft and it's legal and it happens all over the country it's rarely talked about civil asset forfeiture has to stop but returning to his article the police can steal your stuff without charging you with a crime and it makes some police departments very rich break the power of police unions police unions make it nearly impossible to fire bad cops and incentivize uh, protecting them to protect the power of the union a police union is not a labor union police officers are powerful state agents not exploited workers require malpractice insurance Doctors must pay for insurance in case they botch a surgery. Police officers should do the same for botching a police raid or other use of force. Human decency won't motivate cops to protect, to respect human life, perhaps hitting their wallet might. Defund, demilitarize, and disarm cops. Thousands of police departments own assault rifles, assault rifles, armored personnel carriers, and stuff you'd see in a war zone. Police officers have grants and huge budgets to spend on guns, ammo, body armor, and combat training. 99% 99% of calls for service require no armed response. Yet, when all you have is a gun, every problem feels like target practice. Cities are not safer when unaccountable bullies have a monopoly on state violence and the equipment to execute that monopoly. One final idea, consider abolishing the police. Number to call with your comments and questions, 503-231-8187, 503 231 8187. one eight have got a couple of
4: folks on the line right now, Teresa. Um, All right. I'm gonna, a, a, a while ago, a fellow called Bill called. Uh, he said he was a 14-year Army veteran who right. mentioned how the rules of engagement would never allow what he saw the police doing to demonstrators and journalists right here in Portland over the past couple of weeks and how um, an officer would, like, get busted, would like lose rank, he said, and like, um, and so on. You know, we're talking about war zone and military equipment, but uh, I believe Herschel has a contribution for the conversation. Herschel, are you still with us? Yes, I am. Go ahead. You're live.
2: All right. Thank you. Really enjoying this, Teresa. This is very, very informative about police and police attitudes. Uh, You know, there was a comment on the air the other day talking about diversity in the police force and somebody said that there's only one color color in the police force and that's blue i mean they stand behind each other no matter what an, an example of this would be uh... abu jamal who has been accused of a of a police murder and and i'm sure the police know he's innocent i think they've executed uh, the person uh... who maybe performed the murder but the, the um, persecution of Mumia and preventing him from being a journalist just continues on and on and on, even though they, uh, there really are people that know It's, it's he should be uh, even be out of jail. He didn't do anything. Uh, one of the comments I wanted to make, and why I just think it uh, hasn't really been mentioned, is that um, Israel trains some police forces here in the United States. And in Minnesota one hundred police officers have been trained by israel and that that uh... knee on the neck that the officer used uh... was part of w- the way they treat the palestinians i mean it's it's okay for them i a do... move? i'm sorry what
0: is that a Mod move I i can't hear you uh, in the word wrong anyway i'm trying to remember the name of the uh... The techniques that they're uh, selling here, the, the Israeli uh, military has been selling uh, those moves, as you say, uh, to police departments around the country, and including the Portland Police Department, uh, who have been, some of them have been to Israel, and they, they uh, have learned those techniques. So go ahead.
2: Well, 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 it's yeah, it's a little frightening. And I think it was Jewish Voice for Peace has, has kind of recommended that you just just abolish this connection with, um, with having police trained by, the uh, Israel I mean in Israel is kind of this notorious uh, human rights violator and the idea that we would have police in the United States trained by this uh, criminal human rights violator is just uh, it's pathetic just just stop it I mean that was my point I guess that somehow it's been out of the news that Israel is trained the Minnesota police I don't know if this Derek Chauvin has been trained by them but certainly other people in, in Minnesota have.
0: Yeah, well, thanks for bringing that up. And, yeah, they, they train Portland police, too. Well, thanks for calling in. Uh, the vast majority of calls for service, uh, the uh, the cop confessor rights that I handled were theft reports, burglary reports, domestic arguments that hadn't escalated into violence. Last- Houseless people loitering, traffic collisions, very minor drug possession, and arguments between neighbors. Mostly the mundane ups and downs in the community with little inherent danger. And like I mentioned, the vast majority of crimes are responded to, even violent ones, had already happened. My unaccountable license to kill was irrelevant. What I mainly provided was an objective third party with the authority to document property damage, ask people to chill out or disperse or counsel people not to beat each other up, a trained counselor or conflict or conflict resolution specialist would be 10 times more effective than someone with a gun strapped to his hip wondering if someone would try to kill him when he showed up. There are many models for community safety that can be explored. If we get away from the idea that the only way to be safe is to have a man with an M4 rifle prowling your neighborhood ready at a moment's notice to write down your name and birthday after you've been robbed and beaten. Uh, Sonia, do we have anyone waiting to talk? Okay, I'll take that as a no. You might be asking, what about the armed robbers, the gangsters, the drug dealers, the serial killers? And yes, in the city I worked, I regularly broke up gang parties, found gang members carrying guns, and handled homicides. I've seen tragic things, he writes, from a a reformed gangster shot in the head with his brains oozing out to a 15-year-old boy taking his last breath in his screaming mother's arms thanks to a gang member's bullet. I know the wages of violence, and the, the cop styling himself... Uh, a cab says, so This is where we have to have the courage to ask why do people rob? Why do they join gangs? Why do they get addicted to drugs or sell them? It's not because they are inherently evil. I submit to you that these are the results of living in a capitalist system that grinds people down and denies them housing, medical care, human dignity, and a say in their government. These are the results of white supremacy, pushing people to the margins, excluding them, disrespecting them, and treating their bodies as disposable. Equally important to remember, disabled and mentally ill people are frequently killed by police officers, not trained to recognize and react to disabilities or mental health crises. Some of the people we picture as violent offenders are often people struggling with untreated mental illness, often due to economic hardships. Very frequently, the officers sent to protect the community escalate this crisis, and ultimately wound or kill the person. Your community was not made safer by police violence. A sick member of your community was killed because it was cheaper than treating them. Are you extremely confident you'll never get sick one day, too? Wrestle with this for a minute. If all of someone's material needs were met and all the members of their community were fed, clothed, housed, and dignified, why would they need to join a gang? Why would they need to risk their lives selling drugs or breaking into buildings? If mental health care was free and was not stigmatized, how many lives would that save? Would there still be a few bad actors in the world? Sure, probably. What's my solution for them? You're no doubt asking. I'll tell you what. Generational poverty, food insecurity, houselessness, and for-profit medical care are all problems that can be solved in our lifetimes by rejecting the dehumanizing meat grinder of capitalism and white supremacy. Once that's done, we can work on the edge cases together with clearer hearts, not clouded by a corrupt system. Police abolition is closely related to the idea of prison abolition and the entire concept of banishing the carceral state, meaning creating a society focused on reconciliation and restorative justice instead of punishment, pain, and suffering. A system that sees people in crisis as humans, not monsters. People who want to abolish abolish the police typically also want to abolish prisons, and the same questions get asked, what about the bad guys? Where do we put them? I bring this up because abolitionists don't want to simply replace cops with armed social workers or prisons with casual detention centers full of puffy leather couches and PlayStations. We imagine a world not divided into good guys and bad guys, but rather a world where people's needs are met and those in crisis receive care, not dehumanization. Number to call, 503-231-8187. Your comments and questions, 503-231-8187. 87
4: and a couple of our community, our audience, our listeners, the community and community radio, are waiting for a turn to speak right now. I believe first up is Dempsey. Are you still with us? Yeah, I'm right here. Go ahead. You're live. Hi, Dempsey. Yeah. Um, as thanks for uh, the the information, uh,
5: I, I think um, myself, like a lot of other people, were all <clears throat> inundated with uh, a lot of new information about the police. Like I just really learned today that police brutality is profitable for Wall Street um, and as I was listening um, I was reminded of a there's a Chinese idiom that states um, society prepares the crime the criminal commits it and uh, what this says to me is that we have police in America because society is unjust and then was well, of course it's more nuanced than that, but I'm also reminded of, and I don't know if this was mentioned earlier, but like the history of the police uh, dates back to slave patrols and with the soft set, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, soft start of slavery with um, uh, Jim Crow, the objective of the police was to intimidate and brutalize black people. And, and absolutely the it was. Yeah, and so um, I, I'm all for not just reform, but I think we have to get rid of the police and start over.
0: I think you're absolutely right. And uh, and here's, here's something that uh, is uh, wildly unpopular to acknowledge. The Not only did the police come out of the slave patrols, but the Second Amendment came out of the need for the militias uh, to support the slave patrols. I mean, that's what it's about, the Second Amendment is about enforcing whiteness and catching slaves and uh that's uh you know very much the flavor of what we see today and uh, so ironically i have weaponry which i feel uh, under the circumstances is simply uh, a reaction to the fact that my opponents have weaponry uh, the nazis have weaponry and so i have weaponry that will blast through their ballistic v- vests and uh we don't need the Second Amendment. We don't need a society that enforces its, its racial discrimination with an armed cadre. I, I just I don't like the system the way it is, and I don't give a damn about the Second Amendment. Uh, if I need a weapon, I'm going to get it, whether it's legal or not. Uh, returning to, you know, did you have something more to say about that? You still there? Uh, or and do we have another caller uh, uh, yes um,
4: Joe is the next one up go ahead Joe you're live hi Joe Hi. Uh, glad to hear your voice on the air uh,
6: I just wanted to to put another important component to the conversation around police abolition out there and it's that we live in in a white supremacist violent society and that there are lots of reactionary forces and that the the abolition the vacating of that power without a transformation of the power structure throughout society invites people with bad intentions or no better intentions to fill that vacuum and there you know are examples of like community led public safety but depending on where you live the community can actually be more violent to you than the And the police are being actors who in theory are under some kind of accountability, even though they often don't realize that. And an example kind of nearby of how this can turn out is uh, up outside of Spokane, a biracial family went out camping and uh, they fell prey to some harassment and some, you know, they didn't know if it was gonna get worse than that because they were seen as one of these Antifa vans but you know, when you're talking about a lot of places in America relying on community-based solutions, that's going to still leave lots of bra- black and brown, poor, and other sorts of marginalized people uh, in no better of a position. And then we need to talk about the cultural shift that police abolition implies, and not just the organizational dismantling of the city or state police. And I'll get well, my response off the air.
0: Well, okay, uh, if you want, uh, but uh, I'm not uh, proposing an absolute vacuum, but I am proposing something absolutely different, and I am proposing completely shutting down the police forces as they currently exist. You still there, Joe?
4: Uh, No, uh, Joe declined to uh, his response off the air, but um, Warren is waiting. uh, If you wanted to, or did, did did you have more to say about Joe's point before we move on?
0: Uh, no, go ahead uh, and put Warren on
4: okay, Warren you're live
1: Okay, howdy I, uh, I've got a lot of bad stories about cops more than more than good ones, but I, I want to do at least Say that some of them, you know, occasionally are actually good. I um, Had an experience with one in a town that I grew up in and uh, This kind of stemmed from an experience with the worst cop in the town when he tried to pull me over, or he did pull me over, wanted to search my car, and he had already tried to plant drugs on me two weeks before. And the watch commander showed up. Well, I didn't know him at this point, but I the cop begged me and begged me and begged me to search my car. I said, no, 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 no. I'm searching for my dog who's out. I already told you I need to find my dog. And uh, anyway, so finally...
0: I think we lost that call. In the car. Oh, here can we are. You hear
1: me? Now I can hear you, yeah. Yeah, and so I stood right behind him, and the watch commander had said, you need to step away from him, and I did not do it. And uh, the guy turned around, looked at me, and stopped searching the car right away. And he looked over at the watch commander, who he felt was supposed to back him up, and did not because uh, the watch commander knew he was a bad cop. That same watch commander pulled me over about three weeks later and gave me a warning about what was going on with them and me um, and that I needed to make sure that I kept my car registered and everything like that. Um, he was very helpful to me, and I got a feeling, though, that most of the other cops in the force did not like him. I also had heard another cop beg over the uh the radio i had a scanner to be able to chase somebody into another town and this same watch commander denied him and he kept begging for it and and was told no you need to stand down we're not chasing people around you know like that so they were trying to do bad things and this guy was not letting them get away with it so yeah i can
0: tell you what's likely to happen to that watch commander is the day is going to come when he's going to be called out to a place where there are armed actors. And he's outnumbered. He's going to call for backup, and the other cops aren't going to show because that's how they enforce that.
1: Yeah, and I believe that's true. You know, I mean, I I do think that uh, he, um, you know, that that, that, from what I have seen, though, all of the other ones always stood by what the bad ones did, whether they wanted to or not. You can tell sometimes some of these guys did not want to, but, but there it's kind of like they say their silence is what was caused them to be complicit. Um, that's why yeah
0: that's why I'm I'm insisting on this phrase all cops are bastards. It doesn't matter that some aren't because the the group is going to protect the group, and uh, you're going to run across bastard cops and uh, they're going to do their bastard things. And you're going to be screwed because none of the other cops are going to stand up for you, except, you know, as you say, you, you found this one exception. That's very rare. You know, I go back to the uh, the wedding ring and the garbage dump metaphor. Yeah, yeah.
1: And and I also had a, uh, an opportunity now to because I had I did have a drug problem and I I overcame it and and uh, was going to AA for a while and and um, you know I I I had an opportunity to sponsor a police officer. Um, of course, I'm not going to say any names or anything, but. That cop told me, well, he was an ex-cop, he wasn't a cop any longer, but I'll say that this much, he told me that the things that they used to do to people were, were just horrific. He didn't tell me what they were, he just left it at that. And he, and he really meant all of them, you know? Um, and uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it, you're right, it's hard to, I, I also was in a courthouse, in contra costa county california where i grew up and i had heard a this is some maybe 10 15 years ago that they were all going to be getting ar-15 to keep in their trunk and the, what's one cop had just heard about it it was a sheriff deputy in the courthouse from another deputy and that's uh, one the ar-15
0: there's one in every yeah, it, uh trunk of, of a portland cop car
1: yeah, and what this, what, what this guy said, he goes, really? And he just shook his head, you know, like, you know, like, he just thought, really? Like, we do not need that. <laughs> you know, so you can tell that, that that you can see what his attitude was, and I was pleased to see that from him. Now, I don't know what the other cop that had told him this was going to be a part of what they were all going to get, what he really thought, but I can tell that the one guy thought that that was just a bunch of, just a bunch of bulls. you know. So right. I could, like I said, I could go on and on about things. Though so I've had, I have had some seriously bad experiences with cops, where they they did things to, you know, make it look like I assaulted them. One time, I the cop was trying to search. He couldn't. He had the door open, and I went to close the door. He put his arm in the way of the door and called it an assault on a police officer. And from that point, it got really bad for me. They put their knees in. The backs of my legs and on both of their arms. They did not put their knees in my neck, but it was a part of their protocol and how they deal with people. You know. Yeah, you can't afford. Um, you can't afford to take chances with them. You can't.
0: Uh, can't ever. You don't. You can't talk to them. You can't agree to a search. I keep uh, a cheap but effective color camera running at all times in my car. Yeah, I'm gonna get one dash, too. <laughs> dash cam. You can get a dash cam for like 20 bucks.
1: Yeah. 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 Hey, Teresa, thanks for your show. I love you. Appreciate it. I'm going to uh, get back to driving. Oh, and I want one more thing. Uh, I'm also on a Teamster, 162. Give a shout-out to right. the who called in earlier. Right on. Okay. Union Strong. Thanks for calling in.
0: Now I want to quote uh, Angela Davis, who is in this, uh, this Confessor Cops uh, article. It's a long article, and uh, but I think it's totally worth a read. It's uh, Officer ACAB writing in Medium.com. And, by the way, you're listening to Press Watch on KBOO Portland. Uh, and he quotes Angela Davis saying, an abolitionist, report, excuse me, an abolitionist approach that seeks to answer questions such as these would require us to imagine a constellation of alternative strategies and institutions with the ultimate aim of removing the prison from the social and ideological landscapes of our society. In other words, we would not be looking for prison-like substitutes for the prison, such as house arrests safeguarded by electronic surveillance bracelets, Rather, pausing decarceration as our overarching strategy, we would try to envision a continuum of alternatives to imprisonment, uh, demilitarization of schools, revitalization of education at all levels, a health system that provides free physical and mental care to all, and a justice system based on reparation and reconciliation rather than retribution and vengeance, in quotes. Man, I love Angela Davis. And uh, I want to say that uh, that, that sort of attitude is, is what you get from uh, Joe Biden, for example. He's saying, shoot him in the knees. That's his solution. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and as far as it goes, it's not as murderous as shoot him in the heart, but uh, it's, it's not going to do anything. And, uh, and it's the wrong attitude because we need to defund the police and stop living in this society in which we're all turned against each other And we have the police to enforce this misery that keeps us all away from adequate housing, adequate health care, adequate education, and and keeps the rentier class obscenely rich and creates billionaires, people who have the wealth of emperors and and know nothing to do with that money but to crush us. Number to call, 503-231-8187. It's 927 a.m. You're listening to KBOO Portland a world with fewer bastards is possible. If you take only one thing away from this essay, he writes, I hope it's this, do not talk to cops. But if you take two things away, I hope the second thing is that it's possible to imagine a different world where unarmed black people, indigenous people, poor people, disabled people, and people of color are not routinely gunned down by unaccountable police officers. It doesn't have to be this way. Yes, this requires a leap of faith into community models that might feel unfamiliar. But I ask you, when you see a man dying in the street begging for breath, don't you want to leap away from that world? When you see a mother or daughter shot to death sleeping in their beds, don't you want to leap away from that world? When you see a 12-year-old boy executed in a public park for the crime of playing with a toy, Christ, can you really just stand there and think this is normal? And to any cops who made it this far down here, right, is this really the world you want to live in? Aren't you tired of the trauma? Aren't you tired of the soul sickness inherent to the badge? Aren't you tired of looking the other way when your partners break the law? Are you really willing to kill the next George Floyd, the next Breonna Taylor, the next Timmy Rice? How confident are you that your next use of force will be something you're proud of? I'm writing this for you, too, says Officer ACAB. It's wrong what our training did to us. It's wrong that they hardened our hearts to our communities, and it's wrong to pretend this is normal. And he writes, look, I wouldn't have been able to hear any of this for much of my life. You may be reading this now, may not be able to hear this either. But do me one favor, just think about it. Just turn it over in your mind for a couple of minutes. He's addressing cops here. He says, yes, and me for a minute. Look around you and think about the kind of world you want to live in. Is it one where an all-powerful stranger with a gun keeps you and your neighbors in line with the fear of death? Or can you picture a world where, as a community, we embrace our most vulnerable, meet their needs, heal their wounds, honor their dignity, and make them family instead of desperate outsiders? If you take only three things away from this essay, I hope the third is this, you and your community don't need bastards to thrive. And this is followed uh, by a list of resources written by Officer A. Cab. I'd certainly like to know your reaction to all of that. And I've been uh, going through this article for the better part of an hour and a half now. And uh, the list of how to be a bastard uh, I may repeat. But the number to call with your comments and questions, 503-231-8187. 503-231-8187. I ba- said we have a hell of a lot to talk about.
4: And uh, Barry ahead, has Sonia. something to say. Oh Barry. Barry, Hi, Barry, you're live. Go ahead.
1: Oh. Barry,
4: Barry go you're ahead. Me.
1: Oh sure, yeah.
7: Hi, uh, Teresa. I, I appreciate what you're talking about, and, and it, it, it has to come out. You you understand? Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh okay. Thank you. Yeah, there you are. Um, first of all, uh, I I'm not gonna vote for anybody. I am gonna not gonna be forced to vote for anyone that I don't want to, and Joe Biden. Um, Brought about the attack on Iraq, and there's a film about it. I, it probably isn't out yet, but I don't want to uh, want Mr. Trump. I'll say Mr. Trump to be uh, in the office. But uh, what thing? What one thing I can do is vote for Senator Sanders for Bernie Sanders. People, enough people write him in, and he's going to have to be elected. He's going to be drafted to the election. That'd be good. Do you, do you understand?
0: I think I, I do. You're breaking up there a little bit. I'm pretty sure you said that you'd like to see Bernie Sanders drafted at the convention as presidential
7: candidate. Yes, uh, written in. Everyone, any and every one of us can write him in. Senator Bernie Sanders, he can be written in because Joe Biden. No, he 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 has. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't vote for him. Yes, and then uh, the second thing, uh, Herschel called in about the uh, the police being taught by Israel. They what they do to the Palestinians. You see, you, you understand that? Yes. Hello. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I I this sort of flipped on in my mind. A light flipped on. The book I'm I've been reading uh, continually, uh, "Solving 9/11" by Christopher Boland. It has a good recommendation. It it was taken off the bookshelves. Solving oh, 9/11. Here we
0: go, by <laughs> Okay, that book, Barry, is is uh... I, Sloppily anti Semitic, and I'm not going to support it.
7: No, 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 no. And I, I'm also going Semitic. to
0: cut you off. I'm not going to no, platform no, you, Barry. Talk with you. Uh, this is called deplatforming. platforming. This is where I cut off the phone call. I'm not going to hear any more of that stuff. Now, I'm against uh, Israeli militarism, I'm against the, the white colonialism that the Israeli uh, experiment represents. I'm against a lot of stuff. But uh, I'm not going to support a book that uh, claims that uh, Jews are inherently violent, uh, or blames them for stuff that they're not to be blamed for, and all the other things that are wrong with that book. Whose uh, name I've forgotten intentionally. <laughs> Number call five zero three two three one eight one eight seven five zero three two three one eight one eight seven. And if y'all forgive me for laughing at that, I've been having this conversation with Barry for more than a decade. <laughs> So it just kind of makes me laugh. I knew he was going to bring that up. Uh other things that are happening, of course, is that we're trying to have protests and bless you for protesting. And I wish I had been able to be out there, but I'm just too sick. Uh, but uh, one of the things that you're risking terribly, especially when the police are nasty enough to throw, you know, war munitions at you, tear gas, is uh, catching COVID, and COVID's going up. Uh, right now there are 417,000 uh, deaths recorded from uh, coronavirus. Uh the US total is somewhere over uh, 113,000 as of today. Uh, the I think the Oregon total is still under 200. Uh but it's going up in various places. In Texas it's going up. Um uh, and uh there are other places in the nation where it's just but the problem is that uh, The virus just doesn't have any sense of decency. It really didn't give a damn that uh, it turns out that this is our time to address the racism that underlays the economic and social basis of the United States. Uh, We're making lots of good realizations now, and it's very healthy for us to get out in the streets and make change happen. And unfortunately, physically, uh, it can be unhealthy, especially with the cops making it worse by doing things like that. And then, you know, as if that weren't enough to make you cough, at each other when you're all out in the streets yelling your heads off and spreading coronavirus, there's no way around it. Uh, then they they take you in to punish you for expressing your your opinion. And I mentioned earlier in the show that uh, yes, they do intentionally arrange things so that uh, looting and and arson are greatly increased over what they might be. And sometimes they simply make sure that the uh, The damage occurs, as as in the case of the famous Umbrella Man, uh, who was, I can't remember what, I think he was in Minneapolis, but uh, I've I've also watched cops, I've watched uh, the sheriff of uh, King County let uh, let, uh, people out of the back of his cop car right in front of uh, TV cameras uh, go out and smash the window of the uh, radio shack and then talk about how terrible it was that there was looting going on. <laughs> yes, they like to arrange that looting. And in that, they work hand in glove. I said all cops are bastards. Um, they don't all work with the Klan and the Nazis. And all of them will cover the ones who work with the Klan and the Nazis. This is why I say all cops are bastards. Um, I've, I've, there's something uh, peripheral to that that I'd like to emphasize as well. And that is when a cop, uh, does get busted, uh, just does get caught on tape killing someone, uh, murdering them apparently just for the fun of it. Um, their, their case goes to a grand jury and the grand jury system uh, for cops is set up by all the friends of cops and it's set up to exonerate cops, to intimidate the people who are brought into the grand jury system, you know, just ordinary citizens who have signed up for, uh, Uh, jury duty and uh, they hold them until they uh, induce a a form of Stockholm Syndrome. This is what they do to you and they tell you that your only choice is uh, very narrowly defined and they will pressure you to find the cop uh, to no bill of the cop. It's not not quite exactly saying the cop's not guilty but it's arranging so that the cop doesn't go to the court at all. This is the grand jury process and this is what uh, Will be going on across the nation as these these murders continues. Uh, these murders will continue because we have not defunded and we have not replaced our police system. Remember to call with your comments and questions. Five zero three two three one eight one eight seven five zero three two three one eight one eight seven. And we
4: earlier. have the the queue is full. First up okay. is George. Is George still with us? Yes, I am. Go ahead, George. You're live. Okay. Hi, Hi
8: Teresa. Um, I want to mention a couple of books which I think you'll find uh, support you solidly, and they're solidly researched books, and one of them is, uh, this title is Shielded from Justice. The subtitle is Police Brutality and Accountability in the United States, and the book is published by Human Rights Watch. Okay. Um, it, it's not a new book. I um, it's published. It was published in 1998, but it's well worth reading, and it will, I would say, affirm uh, support what you have said, uh, solidly. And then another book, which I found, which uh, really also is, a, it's an amazing book. Is uh, the title is Police Interrogation and American Justice. By Richard A. Leo, a professor of um, associate professor of law at uh, University of San Francisco, published by Harvard University Press in 2008, and it <clears throat> it goes into some of the uh, very uh, powerful pressure techniques that that are used. As you you mentioned them already. But these are just books that uh, basically document what you've been saying. So I just thought I'd mention them, and uh, readers who might want, you know, to see some well-researched stuff, uh, these two books, Shielded from Justice and Police Interrogation and American Justice, will support you. Shielded from Justice and Police Interrogation and American Justice, okay. And if you want the authors again, I can give those. Rattle them off. Okay, uh, Shielded from Justice is a Human Rights Watch uh, publication, and I don't see. I'm looking on the title page. Well, where does the title page go? Well, anyway, oh, huh, it's published by Human Rights Watch, and apparently that's the. It's it's a a, a group publication by Human Rights Watch. Okay, and, and Richard A. Leo. Uh, is the author of Police, Interrogation, and American Justice, and it's a scary book. And uh, that's published by Harvard University Press, and it fully supports what you've been saying, and so does uh, Shielded from Justice.
0: Okay, thanks very much for that.
8: You betcha. Bye for now.
0: Police Interrogation and American Justice, Richard A. Leo, available. Let's see, it says it's available at Amazon. You probably get it at the local union bookstore, Powell's Books, or you could have a smaller bookstore order it for you. All right, number to call, 503-231-8187. Somebody else wants to talk, I
5: think.
4: Yes, we have another Joe. Other Joe, go ahead.
5: Hello, Teresa. Uh, Would you like to elaborate on the concept of... uh, firing the police and have them re- reapply for their jobs as part of the uh, defunding police?
0: Uh, well, uh, I think I see where you're coming from on that, but I, I don't actually like that. Uh, what I really want to see is uh, the creation of different... Well, you know, the, the the cop confessor that I was reading there was uh, pointing out that the cops are doing the works of social workers, um, and they're... They're doing the works of marriage, the work of marriage counselors, and I think funding needs to go into that. And then for the very narrow, for fully agree, respond, fully
5: agree, fully agree.
0: Okay, and for people to uh, respond to immediate and violent crises, uh, I think that we need different people who have never been cops and never been trained in that intense way, uh, as he was saying, to fear for their lives first of all, to to view people as uh, individual miscreants instead of. As also uh, products of, of what the society is forming them into, we need an entirely different group of people. And there are uh, police forces uh, in various countries that we would not recognize as police forces because they act so differently. Um, there are elements of the uh, Norwegian and uh, and the Japanese police forces uh, that would be uh, useful here. Uh, they simply don't think of things in the same way. And uh, of course, there is. Sometimes harsh work to be done uh, against very organized and violent people, but that should be done by people who are well-trained in it, um, people who understand what they're doing, people who do what's necessary to be done, etc. Who And, you know, it sounds like I'm describing a cop, but the problem is what we have created uh, in our ex-slave catcher cop community, our, our socialization of cops, is so poisonous, we should not even have the same people uh, we, we hired them. We trained them that way. It's our fault. We should pension them off so they can get into some other sort of work or just not work or whatever. But We should not have those people doing police work, and we should not think of police work in the same way, not have the same people at all is my attitude.
5: The idea of uh, cahoots in Eugene is a good example of uh, taking some of the responsibility of the police presently out of their hands. I'm sure they'd like to have less uh, work that they're not trained for anyway. And when they reapply for their jobs, some of them would have to go. Lots of bad apples need to go into sauce. All
0: right. Well, uh, thank you for sharing that opinion.
5: Okay.
0: Okay. The number to call, 503-231-187. And do we have anyone queued up at this point, Sonia? Checking with the engineer. And uh, Okay, I'm going to assume that no one's waiting. We, we have fewer... Right,
4: the queue uh, uh, the atten- uh, appears to be clear at the moment, so if you've been waiting to join in, this is a good time to call, 503-231-8187.
0: As I was saying, it's a little more difficult these days because we can't put three people on queue anymore. We can only put one or two, uh, just because I'm taking up one of the lines and we... As a community radio station, we only want to pay for so many phone lines so that that's not a constant expense, and uh, that way your, your dollars go a little further when you do contribute. By the way, you can contribute. If, you're, if you have any cash, uh, you're one of the lucky ones now. If you don't, we're here for you, and, and the heck with donating. Don't even think of it. But if you're, if you're working or if you're, uh, if you're one of the few who uh, are getting through this crisis, this, this plague and economic collapse crisis uh, with sufficient cash. Uh, I'd love it if you would kick some down to your community radio station. And I think with this, uh, this two-hour talk session, I think you can see exactly why we are necessary and we are useful uh, to this, this Portland and uh, greater Cascadia community. Uh, and you can do that by pulling up kboo.fm, and you'll see a, a little flag up at the uh, top right corner and you can figure it out from there. If you can get to KBOO.fm, you can figure out the rest. And it's easy to do. Uh, so, you know, drop five dollars to $1,000. Uh, and we'll be very grateful for that. And uh, you will be helping society in that way. And I believe in it. I, I believe that uh, I don't want to – I've learned not to exaggerate. You know, simply having the information out there is not sufficient to transform a society, that's for sure. But I think it helps. It really helps. And many commenters who have come into the area over the years – Uh, People who have had big events uh, Talking about uh, imperialism or or political affairs Uh, Speakers like Michael Perini Have have often commented that they can tell There's a community radio station Because they get smarter questions from the audience And I think that says something about what has been done And what is continually being produced by community radio Just pull up KBOO.fm And uh, send us some money if you can and number we'll call five zero three two three one eight one eight seven. I said that uh,
4: we have a couple of folks actually. Oh, okay. So those phone lines have taken up, and let's just do that. All I, right. Uh, first up is Kathy. Go ahead, Kathy. You're live.
3: Yeah. Hi. Hi, Teresa. Uh, great show. Um, I always love it when the host compliments the audience as well. <laughs> so, um, yeah. You know, I uh, am a retired mental health worker just on the lowest rung working in group homes. And one of the homes that I worked at, um, one of the teenagers told me that um, if she were to basically straighten up and fly right, which is what we were trying to get everybody to do, um, and then she went home, her community had uh, so much uh, influence of gangs that she would have a lot of difficulty not, you know, basically cooperating with the gang or or in some way being part of the gang community, uh, and this is a whole other, you know, this is an example of one of the things that would happen, uh, you know, if police power were lessened. Um, I'm not saying that I am against lessening police power. I'm saying that I think we need to look on a deeper level. Um, the police basically are the uh, puppets, if you will, of the uh, powers that be, you know, they, <laughs> and, and to point the finger at them without, you know, addressing the whole system, which, which many of you callers have done, you know, talking about socialism and, and so forth. But I think even under, underneath that is another layer, which is our whole uh, attitude about uh, punishment pain um, life life in how do we live in cooperation with one another what is it really to be in harmony with your fellow being um, there's a there's a um, psychologist uh, psychiatrist excuse me a uh, Peter Bregan who heads up the whole uh, um, section of uh, psychiatric approaches of um using uh, alternatives to drugs to to treat mental illness and he talks about uh, treating everyone around you without uh, trying to pressure them into doing something other than what they want to do um, and of course this is a simple concept that's really hard to just throw out there as a sound bite over the air but um, basically we are so used to pushing each other around or accepting pain and punishment as a result of of our mistakes rather than having someone there that can just kindly show you a better way and i think the challenge for the progressive community right now and as as always is to set examples of what we want to see Uh, community policing sure but if police go in without arms they themselves are at risk uh, of the occasional you know person that's going to kill a police officer who shows up even in the with the best of intentions and behavior at their front door so you know we can't really just get the police to not be armed I mean it's like we're we've got to go deeper and really have bigger conversations, and now now we've got the time, and you know we're doing great things. I, I love all the talk about this. It's just wonderful. I really have to agree with
0: what you're saying there, and it reminds me of uh, going in '96. Um, I asked the KBO community to send me to Cuba, and they did. I went around and collected uh, cash, and uh, and uh, somebody paid for my uh, plane ticket, so I went to Cuba. And in Santiago de Cuba, I was I was put up with um, a family that was let's see. Uh, Communist Party head. Uh, I can't remember what his profession was other than that. And uh, his daughter was a doctor. Turns out there was doctors all over the place. And uh, they talked to me about uh, having to share five people to a book. And I said, oh, that's terrible. Is it not enough books to go around? And, you know, you should have one book per person. They said, oh, that would be terrible because they enjoy uh, cooperative learning. They don't compete with each other to learn how to be doctors. They cooperate with each other. You know, every person in that book reading group creates a a five person cadre uh, per book, and they all helped each other understand every concept in the book as they went through their training to become doctors. And there's so many of them. That's why Cuba can uh, send doctors around the world, they're just chock full of them. I mean, you can't sneeze without finding five doctors in Cuba.
3: Yeah, that's a great example of what I'm talking about because we're so used to this idea of competing with one, one another. Uh, certainly just just the simple idea of cooperation which is this the founding uh, point of you know if you're talking about socialism and all of that it, it, it actually would 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 sell better to to all sides if you just talked about uh, collective businesses and cooperative uh you know businesses I mean, we had this we, we winco and uh, uh, I think it's by Bi- bymart and so forth are cooperatively owned businesses that we already have but I mean just just even further, just the, just the idea of being kind to one another, uh, you know there's across the political boundaries you know we're, we're so impatient if somebody expresses a, a thought that, that uh, a progressive thinks is is conser- is, a, is a conservative thought, they'll jump all over them. you know it's like, hello, let's listen to one another. let's slow down. I mean not that conservatives aren't doing the same thing to us. I mean God, they hate radio, I mean, it, we're just in this situation right now where, where we have got to take another look at ourselves as Americans, as as human beings, and say, you know, why all this pain? Why all this horrible competition and and isolation in, in ourselves? Let, let's look at the, the well, that's a good questions,
0: country. And I think a huge part of it is the reason that people are out uh, protesting is because we have not confronted a peculiar institution. The uh, institution of slavery was Almost immediately replaced by Jim Crow. That is a very profitable part of, of capitalism in the United States. It's enforced by the cops. It's all intertwined, and uh, it's it's very profitable indeed. If you, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure yeah. you understand how it works, but
3: uh, yeah, well, I'd be mean, happy to explain it too. Yeah, during 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 the '60s, because there, there was all this talk about love. You remember that? like and and it sort of got morphed into sexuality sexual love but the really the foundation of all the talk about love during the 60s was they were talking about the love of humanity such as Jesus taught you know and and, and it's like really love it's like was america ready for love i mean they were sticking flowers in the the uh the halls of the the guns that the Police were holding at the demonstration. I mean, that kind of sentiment, it and it became okay. Well, this is sort of hokey these days. Oh, we, we think of those things as oh oh how, how ridiculous, you know. Of course, yeah, people it's want, performative. I agree with that,
0: and I think we, I think we do have to get past the performative. I mean, for example, the the phrase "no justice, no
3: peace, uh, no reparations, no change." I would say. Oh yes, absolutely yes, yeah, and and uh, Michael Moore's film. uh uh, where to invade next? He has examples of the the prisons in some countries in uh, Europe, where the 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 punishment is basically to be be removed from your community. Maybe they they stick you on an island or something. But the rest of it is all just you know you're in sort of a a normal kind of living situation in an apartment with people who are being reasonable to you, who are helping you learn new skills and. And maybe have a counselor there and things like that. If you had something like that in this country as a as a jail alternative, it, it wouldn't work because you have all these homeless people who who are are you know much worse off than something like that. You know, so they would be going, oh well, let me just commit a crime so I can go to jail. So you know, it's like you've got to get underneath uh, and 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 really look at um, our, our psychological. Oh, here's the one. It's like the idea that, uh, according to um, evolution, it's the, um, the what is it? The dog eat dog, or the it, it, correct me. You, you know what I'm talking about. It that competition is the norm rather than cooperation. The people are basically out for themselves, and that's the that's the underlying. That's a very uh, false narrative because. Yes, indeed, we are out for ourselves, but it's really only a part of our motivation. Yeah, capitalism depends on that, yeah, you know, blinding us to, what, to our... Yes, we're we're very
0: inclined to cooperate. I mean, it's true also that uh, we we have these faults, and these, these faults are also natural, and, and that greed is natural, but uh, there are many degenerative faults that will appear in a, an oppressed population. They're not what we want to build a society on. Hey, I want to thank you for calling in. We're getting towards the top of the hour, so I guess I'll uh, wrap it up and, and see if maybe there's one more person.
4: There is indeed one talk. more caller.
0: Okay, let's go to that, uh, that this caller. This is uh,
4: I... Carolyn in Texas.
0: Carolyn in Texas. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I know a Carolyn in Texas. I believe you do.
4: <laughs> hey, how are you today?
0: Hey,
9: sis, how are you? Uh, doing good. I've really had a good time listening to all of this. Um, and of course, the second I get on the phone, my other phone starts ringing. So hang on, let me get that off. Okay. Um, anyway, yeah, no, it's been great listening and everything. And I think really the challenge for progressives is how do we take this this movement that we've got and make it more than you know the it, it, make it more than what it's been before? Because you know, you start looking at history, and and there's been several movements uh, for equality and you know for for a better system and they, they just keep on falling down the wayside. You know, I'm sure a lot of people yeah. who marched in the 60s are sitting there going, geez, do I have to do this all over again? You know, why, why yeah. didn't you people get this in the first place? Yeah.
0: Um, well, we and were, they're just, you, you know, can know we, sure we, we could go on
9: for hours, but yeah.
0: You can be sure that we uh, but, are being professionally and efficiently countered as we speak. So go on.
9: Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, one of, one of the things I wanted to point out too about the police brutality is, you know, we talk about systemic racism, And part of the problem that we have with police forces is they're taught to be brutal. So we've got systemic brutality in the police forces as well. And it goes beyond that, too. I mean, because you've got the prosecutors who are on the side of the police all the time. And it's it's a inherently biased system because the prosecutors rely on the police to prove their cases and a prosecutor can't move forward in his or her career unless they win cases and they've got to have the cops to do that so they start turning a blind eye or they let things slide and the police are the same way they've got certain prosecutors that they'll like above other ones and you know they'll help their buddies out Um, so the buddy system and the fraternalization uh, isn't just the police union and the police themselves. It extends beyond that into the justice system, and that's something we need to address as well.
1: Yes,
0: indeed, the cartel of justice. <laughs> that would be an interesting talk yeah. to have with you. Well, well, Carol, thank you so much for calling right up to the top of the hour. What a great way to, to end the program. Yeah,
9: uh, it's, it's been great listening to you, and it's so encouraging to hear everybody calling in and everything, and you know speaking of somebody from the South, these conversations are even starting to happen down here. So there's a glimmer of hope out there. We just got to keep up with it.
0: Yeah, well that's that's pretty exciting to think of uh, that sort of discussion in Texas outside of Austin. <laughs> but you're in Fort Worth so, so that is hopeful. Thanks for calling Carolyn. Well that is my sister from Texas who has never called in all these all these decades and uh, it was really great to hear her voice. You've been listening to Press watch on kboo portland i am Teresa mitchell and uh coming up you'll want to listen to even more of our radio zine here on thursday and uh engineer i'm hearing static so i'm hoping that i'm still (laughs) on the air to wrap up we go out to you via 90.7 fm uh to all of cascadia well we use some other frequencies to expand our reach and uh via KBOO.fm to all the ships at
2: sea.
4: This is KBOO Portland. It's crawling up on the 10 o'clock hour. Stay tuned for more of the best community radio you'll hear here or anywhere, including, I believe, coming up next is Flashpoints, Regional Solidarity, checking in on our comrades in the San Francisco Bay Area. So as I say, stay tuned for that. This is KBOO Portland, your community radio.
9: You are listening to KBOO Portland.
4: Pacifica Radio.